Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to our newest edition of VO Booth Besties, VO 101. We're continuing our series today and at a new time. The goal of this series is to provide current and credible information to folks who might be newer to the voiceover industry and want to learn more from pros who know. There is so much information out there, and it can be quite overwhelming. Our goal is to help ease those feelings. Each week we'll have a new topic and occasionally a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. You can submit questions or if you have some topics you'd like to learn more about, uh, send them to our website, boothbesties.com or our Facebook group and we'll do our best to cover it. A quick bit of housekeeping, in order to stay on topic and get as many of your questions answered as we can, we're keeping hand raising turned off. However, the chat will remain open and we'll all be monitoring that this week. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Over to you, AB. All right. Um, so Monday night, we had the chance to interview George the Tech Widom. And you guys, he had so much fabulous advice. If you weren't in that live room and you haven't had a chance to go check out the podcast, please go listen to it. And um, you can catch it on our website or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But today we really wanted to dig into the beginning steps of a studio build and what your options are, because this series is, of course, aimed at those just getting started. But this is a great refresher for anybody experienced in the industry as well. I think that we all need to think about our studios and what our space is like um, more often than we probably do. So pre-2020, most people didn't even need a booth at home. Uh, there people who were, had been working in the industry for more than 10 years never even had booths most of the time because they went in studios to audition in person. That has become much more rare post-COVID. Um, although I'll tell you, I was in a class last night with Alexa Magnato, who's a casting director, and she said that they are trying to shift things kind of back to where people who do live within um, driving distance of a studio like in New York or LA will be doing more in-person auditions. So that was interesting to hear. Um, I'll be curious to see if that happens um, and what that what the impact of that is. But for now, we all need a studio. So where do you begin, JT? Uh, you start with sound reduction. Um, there's really no such thing as soundproofing, but you need to work on the sound moving around in your space and creeping into your audio from external sources. Um, sound treatment is the sound within your space that you need to eliminate. Echoes, reflections, and you know why? Because they distort your sound. Sound waves travel, bounce around when they hit a hard surface. Um, even a shiny fabric can cause sound waves to bounce rather than be absorbed. And when they bounce, they travel back, interact with the sound waves that you want to go into your microphone. They can cancel each other out. And it causes you to lose a lot of the mid-range in your voice and makes you sound just not as great as you actually do. Um, we want to get your voice as natural and pure as possible. So we want to make sure the space is really pretty dead. Um, I remember couple years ago, I went to look at a house and there was this giant addition on the house. And um, 
the realtor was saying, oh, the, the this is perfect for recording. Listen to the echo in here. <laughs> like, oh, dude, this is exactly what you don't want. Um, ideally, you want to be able to clap your hands and hear no echo in your space. And we're talking for voiceover. If you're talking about, you know, recording for music, it's completely different. And honestly, I'm not the person to talk to about that. So let's start uh, with where you want to focus your efforts. Corners, ceilings, hard, flat surfaces. Um, in the case of my studio, the, the space that it's in, there's a beam across the ceiling and there's a wall in close proximity. The sound is going to bounce around in a space like that. So you want to start with identifying those trouble spots and how do you take care of them? NJ? Awesome. So you've, you've set this up perfectly. Um, I'm sure many folks below, and we'll kind of speak on different ones, and you guys are welcome to drop in the chat what you're using um, for your studio space. Um, but JT focused on some really good things. One of the things that I think is really important to remember too is, I mean, one, we're limited by space, right? So AB, for example, she outfitted an entire shed um, in her backyard. And then, and then beyond outfitting the whole space to be insulated, et cetera, she also has an additional studio within that space, right? So um, it so she has that option. JT, and I am only speaking for them just because this is sort of my little part, and I know she uses a she has her own studio in her basement. I have a small home, and I'm sure many can relate. Um, I use a closet um, for my sp studio space. I have plenty of room. It's really nice. I know others may be using a small closet, and others may be using something kind of portable. One of the key things to remember is JT mentioned the sound proofing, right? The external noises, things that are just outside of your control, things that can travel through a window if you are up against, if if there is a, a, a wall that maybe isn't insulated or has insulation, but there's traffic that's on a street. So one of the things you can do to help yourself initially is trying to get to the center of your house. But then there's things that even beyond that, that you have to think inside your house. Am I near the refrigerator? Am I near a, an air conditioning duct? My air return? Um, th there, there's things within your home now that you have to think about that could interfere with that, with the noise and the sound waves that are coming through your space. So, okay. So let's talk about, I'm going to say it's the easy one, which is a blanket fort. Blanket forts, I think we will all agree, are a very temporary solution. They are, are not ideal. Um, when I think of a blanket fort, I think of I'm in a hotel room. I've got, you know, three cushions stacked up. I grab the comforter. I'm on my stomach or maybe I'm like crisscross applesauce, you know, hunched over trying to speak into my microphone. This is this is not a natural position that voice actors ideally want to speak in. It's, it can it can impact your diaphragm, your breathing, you know, just, again, just a comfortable, natural delivery. So a blanket fort, can it work? It can, but let's not make that the all the time if you can help it. So now let's think about still inexpensive, but sort of in that same lane is a PVC fort. What does that mean? 
Well, this is PVC is 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 plastic. I'm going to call it plastic tubing. It is cylindrical. It's kind of um you there's um attachments that you can, you know, insert into and you can literally build out a rectangle. It can have side, you know, um sides and and a top and everything. And the idea is that it's you know, you can, if you even just have like a little handsaw, you can easily cut through it. You can make it um, customized to your space. If you needed to take it down, all you're doing is just popping apart little pieces, you know, that you were inserting in and out and you can do that. Using, when you build out one of these forts, um, you would want blankets. Now, JT mentioned very smartly, you know, being mindful of your fabrics, being mindful of what you're using to now build out this space. You'll hear often use moving blankets. Why? Because moving blankets already have some padding, a little bit of insulation in them. Uh, your grandma's quilt, awesome. Um, you know, things that are a little bit thicker, but also still breathable, right? Um, I'm, I can't remember if it was, I think it was George. I know we've got, um, is Dan still here? He may have left. Uh, several fantastic interviews we've done. And one of the things he mentioned was, if you can blow through the fabric, can you feel some breath on the other side? That's good. Um, so you're building out this PVC um, fort. And like JT mentioned, you know, we need to be covering all spaces. The sound treatment happens all around you. Um, that's kind of one of the, the, uh, the other disadvantages of like just doing the little blanket fort is you pretty much get it on three sides and maybe kind of over the top of your head but you're also not able to treat the space behind you. The other thing that's nice about a PVC, um, the PVC fort is that it's something, it's a structure I can get in and out of easily. One of the hardest things for voice actors, if you're not already in a studio all day, is if you do get an audition that you can easily get to your recording space. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't imagine every time and you know the email comes in and you're like oh i want to be in the top 20 and you're literally pulling out cushions and blankets and trying to set everything up so no matter what you are using as your studio space ideally what we want to do is make it accessible and that when you get that you can move the blanket and step into it that you can open the door and step into it that you have elbow room that you don't feel suffocated again we want we, we're constantly talking about authentic and conversational. And I got to tell you, if you're like claustrophobic, <laughs> none of that is going to resonate um, when you're trying to be in your space if you just feel like you are crammed in there. So, okay, let's keep going. Um, small rooms and closets. This I can pr obviously pr um, personally speak to. I also have a construction background. I do home renovations and woodworking. Um, I can tell you if you even have a little bit of that ability, maybe a neighbor, maybe dad, maybe, you know, the aunt, somebody who has some power tools, there is a very um, simple and inexpensive, lumber's a little expensive right now, opportunity to build out your own space. Now, you'll hear a lot of acoustic professionals say, you know, when you're working in a closet, it's fantastic to have clothes there. Because if you think about it, they're loose. Like, we get really hung up on just outfitting these spaces just head to toe and there's just foam everywhere and blankets everywhere and it's 
you actually can work against yourself often when you're trying to do that. Like you do need to have a little bit of breathing space. You don't want to have reflect made surfaces. Like you have to remember your ceiling. You have to remember the door behind you. The, the sound bounces around, but, but again, work with a professional. If you're kind of questioning what you're doing, you know, like how you're setting up your space, because often you'll see folks J. Michael Collins is a great example. Um, you'll see studio spaces where you see panels, which I'll get to, but you'll see panels and there's still space in between. There's still reflective surfaces because they're, depending on your space, it's very critical that you understand not one size fits all. You may not need to just be covering yourself in a thousand blankets and pillows and, and egg foamy, you know, things on the wall. So anyway, to the point of the panels, um, these are where you could, you can literally make rectangles out of wood and it can be just junk wood because what we're going to do is we're going to put insulation in it. Maybe you already have insulation on your walls. What a lot of people may not know, interior walls are not insulated. Traditionally, exterior walls should have insulation. But normally, interior walls don't. So you do have to be mindful of that unless you're building out a space, you could add insulation or you want to rip all your sheetrock down and add insulation. Sure, most people are not going to do that. So you, you, you need, so these panels are what allow you to have that sound absorption. So literally making rectangles, you can go to your local um, big box store and based on the measurement of the like rock wool or fiberglass insulation, that's how wide you would make. They're usually sold in strips. I think they're usually 16 inches wide because that's traditionally what stud placement is in your walls. So you make 16 inch rectangle, make it as long as you want. Then you want to cover it with a breathable fabric. Again, back to what JT said. And I made this mistake early on when I outfitted my space, my closet with these additional panels is I was like, Ooh, I'm going to put like super fuzzy, you know, flannel. I was going to put this super fuzzy fabric on it thinking I was doing the right thing, but I actually was working against myself because it, it ended up caught not doing what I needed to, to, to do with this insulation in these panels. So you want to use a quilting cotton, which is very similar to like your bed sheets. Uh, Uncle Roy, huge proponent of using burlap because it has some some space. It, the weave of the fabric is loose, and now you're allowing the insulation to do its job because your sound can move through the fabric and be absorbed into the insulation. So, can I interrupt for one yes, second? Yes, jump in. I'm going. I'm going long winded. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things I mean before I had a booth. Um, because I was recording at home and I started in an attic and the, oh my word, at like an old attic with alcoves and angles and all the things. Um, rock wool sometimes can be a little daunting, you know, depending on how comfortable you are with cutting it and working with insulation because it absolutely has to be covered. Um, George mentioned that on Monday night. Um, another option is carpet padding. Um, Give yourself a little bit of space. If you're building that frame out, you can staple the carpet padding to the back, wrap the front in the fabric, and 
you know, this is where those cheap dollar store sheets, it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to do its job. So if you're going to put the carpet padding on the back and you're going to have, you know, that two inch space with the material in front so that the sound can go through and be absorbed by the, the carpet padding, that works really well too. Um, it's, it's easier to work with, a um, little bit less expensive than the rock wool. Uh, my booth does have rock wool in it, but that's a space that is not going anywhere. That's not being taken up and put down. Um, the, the carpet padding also is great if you've got a space where you've got to treat corners. You can wrap that, you know, cut a nice, generous amount of it, um, wrap that in the burlap or the, the loose fabric, just kind of drape it and put those in the corner. It's just as effective and far less expensive than buying base traps for your corners. Um, so just some things to think about there. Hang a curtain if you need to and put the, um, hang the, the sheet of padding behind the curtain if you need to block an entire wall and leave it kind of loose and drapey. Well, JT, just go ahead. Just keep going. Why don't you and AB now go ahead and talk? Because, okay, so we've talked about pillow forts or whatever, blanket forts. We've talked about PVC DIY. We've talked about, you know, working with your closet space. But now let's say you've got, you're, you're like, nope, I want to go all, I don't want to DIY anything. Why don't you go ahead and talk about what you chose and then AB can pop in and talk about her studio space. Sure. Um, so before I had the booth, like I said, I was, I was working in this ginormous, I mean, it's finished, but basement space. And so there were a lot of curtains. There were a lot of homemade base traps. And, um, eventually, you know, when you, when you get to a point where you feel like you're ready to invest in a booth, there are a lot of options out there. Um, it's a matter of budget. It's a matter of personal preference. And a good intermediate option is something like a tri-booth. It's portable. It's very cost-effective. They start at about $1,500. Everything comes in one package. And because it's portable, if you're going to a conference or you're going on vacation, you don't want to miss anything, it packs up to about the size of a, a pack and play. If you have kids or had kids, you know, so it's, it's easy to travel with too. Um, and it, it really does a great job. AB? Yeah. So I've seen so many creative things for um, doing booths with a variety of different people. I wanted to talk about a couple of those before I go into what my kind of genesis of my booth was. But first is um, uh, Chris Pipes mentioned that he's using um, Snaps, a Snap Studio booth, which I, I put the link in the chat. That's similar to a tri booth, except instead of triangle it's a rectangle um and it looks like a really great option um i don't know what the cost is on it but we, i started but let me see let me backtrack a little bit my friend also built herself a booth fairly inexpensively with two by fours and moving blankets and she covered the inside and the outside of the two by fours with moving blankets and um made a little door and everything all out of moving blankets and two by fours and 
I don't think she spent more than a couple hundred dollars. Did she oh. staple the blankets or like nail them? I'm trying to, cause blankets can get kind of heavy. Yeah. She stapled them and did it okay. really, she, she did it really taut. So it's not just like loosely draped. It's like a box. She made it basically a box out of two by fours with a ceiling and it, uh, it's pretty cool. And it does a really good job of isolating the sound inside your booth, you know, keeping it moving around well, but it's, it's not great for sound reduction necessarily, like the sound coming in from external sources, but it's better than her recording in the corner of a room, you know? Um, so it's working pretty well. And I gave her some, I, I keep meaning to bring her some rock wool to stuff in it as well, but that's a, that's a different conversation. So I started in my walk-in closet and loved it and it was great. And my, I feel like, and I'm sorry, there are like, I'm next to a road and there are cars going by and I apologize for the quality of my audio, but, um, they, uh, in my closet, I, I did kind of what JT's talking about and rolled up some cushions and stuck them against the walls and it was working great. Uh, however, my closet was the, on the second story and my children were directly underneath me making a ton of noise all the time. So I needed an option and we walled off a room in my, um, playroom, my bonus room over the garage. And that was an amazing space. And it, I don't think we spent more than $500. Of course, we're pretty handy with wood and nails and drywall. And we put together a pretty decent studio all lined with rock wool, but, um, and it worked for about two years for two years. That was a great studio space. And I was getting minus 60 DB, which we know is really, we're not worrying so much about the numbers. We're worrying about you know, what, how it sounds and are we getting good quality audio? But, uh, my neighbor took down all the trees in between our houses and I didn't realize how much of a buffer those trees were sound wise. So maybe think about that when you're planning out, um, your studio spaces, are you, do you have a space that's next to some sort of plant material between you and your neighbors, um, versus open space? Uh, that did make a big difference when he took all those trees down. I had to move my studio space. And that's when I built the 12 by 12 building in my backyard. I had it fully insulated, ceiling floors and walls with rock wool insulation, double drywall, the works. And then I put a studio bricks booth inside of it. And that for me was necessary because I was at that point booking Source Connect sessions and my neighbor Moses yard three days a week. And I was having to cancel sessions with clients. So I think that what I'm trying to get at is that there's this journey that I took and I didn't start out in a studio bricks booth in a basically sound insulated building. I started out in my closet. And as I made, as I progressed in my career and made enough money to cover the next step up in my booth, I made the next step up in my booth. Um, so some of those options for the little bit more professional, I don't, I, I don't like to just call them professional because I think that I've heard some amazing professional audio coming from walk-in closets. Jen's, uh, NJ's studio is a perfect example of that. Her audio sounds amazing. So, um, but some of the more fabricated booths, let's call them that, the fabricated booths. We have whisper rooms, bear caves, and studio bricks. Uh, I think there's some other options. I saw someone talking about like phone booth. You can buy like these soundproof phone booth things. Um, but they're all in kind of in the same price range, the Whisper Room, the Bear Cave, the Studio Bricks. Um, but I went to a local guitar center 
and went in their studio, um, their, uh, excuse me, their whisper room that they had there for people to do lessons in. And I could still hear everything that was going on outside in the guitar center. And there weren't even that many people in the room. And I'm like, eh, it just didn't feel soundproof enough to me. And so, um, because again, I was working with lawnmower noise. So I ordered the studio bricks instead of the whisper room. And um, that ended up being a good choice for me. It works great. But I was surprised to find upon getting it installed and ready to go in my house that it did not block all the noise. <laughs> Even with a rockable insulated studio with double drywall and the Studio Bricks booth, I still was, I was still getting noise from outside. And I was like, how? And I called the Studio Bricks guys up and they were like, oh, those low frequencies, they're going to come through everything. Like, unless you're in a a room suspended within a room, suspended within a room, like some of these really actually truly soundproof spaces are very, very few and far between, you're going to get those low frequencies. But they're minimal and I can record with them. My neighbor was using a jackhammer. Um, I made a video, it's on, I think it's on TikTok, um, where my neighbor's literally across the street using a jackhammer and I couldn't even hardly hear myself in the video. And I went in my studio and into the studio bricks and you couldn't even you couldn't hear a thing and you couldn't see it in my audio so there's definitely a place for those upgrades but they are a process that takes time and the investment i paid for that studio bricks with voiceover money that comes from a place of privilege of only needing um for me i was a stay-at-home mom so when we when I started my voiceover career, any money that I made was extra. We'd been budgeting on one income for, uh, gosh, 17 years. So anything that I made was excess. And um, so I in, reinvested at least 50% of my income back into my career. That's a conversation that we could go on a totally different route, but I used it to build my studio up. So we, um, let's see, we covered all of the stuff about all of the different options? What are, what are we missing, guys? Well, I think only thing I would add on is like for me, for example, you know, again, we live in a patio, a really, I mean, it's beautiful and we love it, but it's a small space. It's just not an option. I mean, unless I don't want a dining room table, <laughs> it's just not an option. So what I want, my, the point I want to make is Sometimes you will hear, I've heard this before, where people are like, well, I have a studio bricks because I want to look professional. I want no one in this room to feel guilt or feel less than if they are using a, a different space that 100% is working, 100% is satisfying the customers, 100% I say approved, but you know that you have talked with an engineer and they're like, yeah, you're cool. Unless you are a person, you know, who feels the need to take pictures of your space and make that part of your branding or something, um, you do you. I know that's cliche, kind of like the is it is what it is phrase, but you know what? I, I'm not ashamed that I've outfitted my closet and that the space rocks. I again, it's accessible. I can move in and out whenever I want. I have all of my every all of my equipment, my my mic, software, everything is good to go. It's not something I have to move in and out. But I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, well, if I don't drop the five, ten, twelve thousand dollars on the special thing, that you're somehow 
not a professional. If you're working, you're booking work and you sound great doing it. Great. That's it. Well, I mean, like, yep. and go, go ahead, JT. I was just going to say what, you know, Nathan said earlier, he was quoting George the Tech. If it sounds good, it sounds good. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I could use Chris as an example, Chris Pipes. He has sent me some of his audio and it's, it sounds amazing. And he's in that um, $500 snap studio, which is basically a PVC and blanket contraption, right? It, and it sounds great. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I actually just looked it up too. That is, that's, I mean, you're only going to get so many variations on these things. That's basically the same as a tri-booth, um, different shape, but same material, same idea, same concept, um, less expensive, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And if it works, it works. If it fits in your space, fantastic. If you have to, if you have to make a space, if you have to create a space, do it. It's okay. As long as you're getting the, the best sound for what you're putting up. And, um, again, maybe a little bit different conversation. Um, Jen was talking about the, the door behind you and how much you need to, how much of the space you need to treat. A lot of that is going to depend on your microphone. So, um, before we get into that, just real quick, it looks like we're about at the half an hour. So I'm just going to do a quick room reset. If you have just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. This is our VO 101 series. We're talking about fundamental topics and getting started in the voiceover industry, or you know, maybe you've already started and you were just kind of ramping up. Today we're talking about um, learning the craft part two and studio spaces. So um, if you have any questions about anything, comments, please feel free to share in the chat. And AB, back to you. Okay. So we, um, I like what you said there, um, about the microphone and the, the point is when, when I, I bought a Neumann TLM 103 as a big upgrade for me financially from the Rode NT1 at the time, they didn't have the fifth generation, you know, back in my day. Um, but when I bought it and brought it in my space, I was so I was so disappointed because I I sounded great, but so did everything else that was happening in my house, right? Because my space wasn't ready for a 103, a 102, excuse me, at the time, a 102 microphone. And that's when I went and made, um, I put in a link in the chat as well, Tim Tippett's uh, DIY acoustic panels, which is exactly what NJ was discussing, um, you know, building a wooden frame, putting some rock wool in it, covering it with fabric. And um, it that made all the difference. And then I was able to use that better microphone because I had upgraded my space to match what I needed. I just wish I'd known that first um, so that I could have had the space ready. I didn't know. And it, it took me a little while to figure out what the problem was. The, the problem was the mic, not the microphone. The problem was my space. So, um, yeah, that's an important point. Uh, I think I said in on Monday night, I first thought I could just staple egg crate to my walls and that that would accomplish my goal. Um, but there's way better options out there. So I think we've covered a good portion of them. Do we have any questions? NJ, do you see any questions in the chat? 
I not yet, but I'll just let's just keep going because I just feel like our, we're just kind of having knowledge vomit of the mouth right now, <laughs> and I love it because I'm like. Again, I know we, we, we talk about this series being for newer to the industry, but again, it's such a great refresher because when you go into your space, um, other things that I, I would encourage people to think about, we, we talked about the four walls and the ceiling, but oh yeah, there's also the floor. Um, I know in a lot of, like my house is all tile floor. Many people have wood floor. So let's, you know, make sure we're, you know, if you're still kind of finding some echo or reverb, you know, something that's just not quite adding up, you know, maybe it's throw a blanket on the floor or, um, yeah, grab a, some carpet squares. Um, additionally, we talk about space and microphone. I think this is a good tie in AB is we, I mean, you'll hear engineers over and over tell you it's your space first mic second, because often a microphone that may not be like the super duper high end will absolutely be wonderful because your space is great. So a couple other things for people to keep in mind are when we talk about flat services, also your screen placement. Um, if you've got your laptop or if you're using a monitor, um, oftentimes you might want to offset that because again, folks, it's these small things. If you're in a tight space and you, you know, again, it's just, you're like, oh, it's just not quite adding up. It could be these smaller things, the corners, like JT had talked about, you know, taking out that that um that angle and softening it by adding a blanket that kind of rounds out those corners offsetting your screen maybe to the side so that when you're speaking the sound coming through the microphone is going to be bouncing is going to be absorbed through the blanket or if you have a panel behind the mic um another thing oh do you want to jump in just real quick um yep. when you were talking about the the floor and the beams vibration carries through the floor joist. So if now in my case, I'm in the basement, I have concrete under me, but my whisper room literally, literally touches my drop ceiling. And so we had to put a buffer between the ceiling and the top of the whisper room because everything traveled down through the walls of the booth. And that was something I hadn't considered. And if you're on a first floor, second floor, and you've got those beams underneath you, you may need to put um, some padding under your mic stand if it's not a suspended mic arm. Or you may need to throw a blanket down on the floor, like Jen said, because you never know where those things are gonna come from. Um, also, in my case, yeah, it's a whisper room, but it is also about three feet from an outside window where, again, my retired neighbors are mowing several times a week and I do need to work and they take their good old time. So um, I found that putting some reflective foam on the outside of the booth cuts down on the outside noise that is able to get into the booth. So um if if you're hearing those those noises and you're hearing those sounds, just stop and think about where are they coming from? What are they coming from? Um, I've also got a radon remediation system in my house that goes through the basement and through the closet in the studio space. And so prior to the booth, I had to get, um, there's a company called Soundproof Cow 
from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, that makes um, some really great soundproofing material and wraps, like pipe wrap. So if you've got noisy pipes, in in this case it was hissing, um, looking into wrapping the pipes. If you've got the, you know, the shower and the every time somebody flushes a toilet, you can hear it in your space. It's super simple to just wrap the pipes. So, you know, you've got to consider all of your surroundings. Yep. That's, you're just driving home, you know, all these different things that even as working voice actors, we sometimes can forget. And so I think that's really important to just, yeah, look at your space, look at your location, um, figure out where the least amount of exterior, but that also means interior to a house, but exterior to your studio, where sound can still make its way in. Um, the one last thing I'm going to speak to, and then I will turn it back over to AB, that um, can feel a little overwhelming and cumbersome is if you choose to create these kind of um, 16 inch by maybe, I, I like four feet. Um, it's, it's easy. Um, and certainly if you get, um, you know, if you use uh, one by three or whatever, you usually come in eight foot sections and you just cut them in half just for ease um, to build out panels. I did a video a while back. I mean, it's on Facebook and so I'm just putting it out there that if you guys have questions, let me know and I can send this to you. But what often becomes kind of overwhelming is you're like, okay, cool. I've got these big old rectangles filled with insulation. I stapled on some fabric. Now, how on earth do I get them onto the walls? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> excuse me. I have seen just all kinds of different variations of, of attempting to do it. But to me, the mo the easiest and most secure is using what's called a French cleat. Um, this is allows you to put this form of hanging method allows you to put big flat things like your kitchen cabinets again like these panels on the wall easily um if you're not familiar with it i 100 i won't go through it right now but just youtube it or send me a message um, it allows you to put a piece of wood that's that's at a 45 on the back of your panel and then you put a another piece of wood that's also 45 the opposite way on your wall and it allows you to find where the studs are so you're you'll be confident that your panel will be securely hung and you basically just take the panel and you just lift it up and then slide that piece that 45 that you've put on the panel to the 45 you've put on the wall and 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 it's done and you're just it's just hanging there I, you're not having to do like eye hooks in the ceiling and trying to run chain i don't even know i've seen all kinds of different ways for people trying to figure out how to hang panels so Anyhow, look it up, or if you have questions on that aspect of it, you can also message me. All right, AB, back over to you. Well, I, I love your French cleat. I put a link in the chat to an example of what that is. I, if you don't, if you're not as handy with a saw, you don't have the materials to cut a 45 degree angle. I used metal pieces. You can buy metal um, strips that, uh, brackets that fit into each other in the same way um, and that's what I used to hang my panels um, and they're they come in the picture hanging section like pre-made and ready to go for you if you just want something easy um, that you don't have to cut um, because you don't have to make a ton of cuts to make these boxes they're 
you know, you can buy furring strips is what I use to make mine. They're very cheap and inexpensive and they're lightweight, which makes the boxes a little bit cheaper to build. Um, so just, you know, hit your Home Depot and Lowe's up and ask them for where their furring strips are. I think they're running like $3 for an eight foot board and the rock wool comes in four foot strips. So that's why we like the four foot <laughs> length. Um, okay. So one of the most important things that we're considering when we're talking about sound isolation is density and mass. And we haven't used those words specifically today, and I just wanted to make sure we cover them, is that we're, we're looking for density and mass. And that's one of the reasons they'll talk about um, like using drywall. When you go to buy drywall, you can double up. If you can't, if, if I pop out, just let me know. Um, all right, so we're looking for density and mass, and uh, one really great way to do that is it, if you're building a studio versus you doing the blanket fort idea is with 3 8 inch um, dense drywall. So you don't want to use the lightweight drywall. And one of the ways that we create a sound buffer is with space, with air, with an air gap. So they make this stuff called green glue. Again, we're getting into a little bit more complicated DIY builds. You can pay somebody to do this for you as well. But you literally squirt this green glue all over the drywall and then put up a second sheet of drywall over the first. And it creates an air gap. And that can really go a long way towards um, reducing sound creeping into your space from external sources. So that's just something to, to Google, look into, um, literally type in green glue. Um, and that will give you some some resources that you can utilize. We, let's see, we've covered density and mass. Uh, that's why we want pillows and, and things that are thick, but also breathable. Again, um, like what George said, if you can breathe through it, then your sound waves can travel through it as well. So we wanna make sure that, the best way to describe it is just like water coming through a shower head that if you've ever seen one of those rain shower ones that spreads the water out to a much wider area, that's what we wanna do with our sound. Instead of that focused sound coming in, we want it to be diffused coming back out. And that is why we use the acoustic panels or fabric or like JT said, and rolling up some carpet pad. Um, I actually just wanna direct everybody's attention to the chat. Uh, Brian and John both put some links into the chat for um, treating windows. Um, one of the things I've done in the past is because I'm I'm in a basement, it's not a standard size window. It's a like one of those small um, sliding side to side kind of windows is <clears throat> I've taken a piece of foam, fit it just so that it's a little bit bigger so it stuffs into the window space. And okay, it's already a dark space, so it, it kind of creates a cave-like feel, but it really, really helps in reducing the noise from outside. It's super simple. It holds itself in place. It doesn't matter if you have a two-inch window depth or a, you know, a six-inch window depth, you can still block that space and cut down a lot of that sound. Um, very, very helpful. And um, not endorsing acoustic solutions. I, Oh, absolutely. And yeah, that was my next thing, John. Indos. They are an insert that you can get for your window. It kind of creates, um, if you've been in a recording studio or at a studio in a radio station, 
um, it, it's like being in a fishbowl when you're in that studio, but the way that the window panels are set again, that space between the glass creates the, the sound proofing that you need to have that, that space quiet and Indo's it's like window without the W on the beginning, um, also sells custom solutions that will do that. Um, but you, it's, it's an investment. Um, you know, you're kind of, you're in the same ballpark as, you know, replacing with a Pella <laughs> by using the Indo. But, but if the idea is you're replacing the window or you're just, cause could, or are you just putting in, or is it some sort It you say an insert, it doesn't replace your window. It goes on no. the interior. Cause why couldn't you just put, cut some insulation and wrap it and just, I don't know, Velcro it or use one of those, you know, um, 3M sticky replace. I don't know. I'm, I'm brainstorming for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you could, okay. you could, I, I think that, um, if you're in a space and you're using your entire room, um, again, going it, just the first studio that pops into my head is the one that, um, George just built for J. Michael Collins in his house down by DC. Um, it's a, it's a room. It's an entire room. It's not a booth. The panels are placed right where they need to be. There is a window there. Um, if you've got windows in your space and your entire room is your space, this is a good option so that you're not blocking out all of your light and being in a cave and having to take something in and out of the window all the time. If that makes sense. So, I mean, there's, there's a ton of options for just blocking off your window and putting something in. You can have something that you can Velcro to the outside and take on and off. You can have something that fits into the window frame that you can just pop in and out really easily. Um, so the Indo is more of a permanent, not permanent, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, you're just, you're going to leave it there. Um, I also wanted to point out if you, I hope you can hear me. I wanted to point yeah. out too, you can buy sound reducing curtains. They're not hundred percent effective, but that's what I have in my, my out, my studio space, the bigger studio space, not in the studio bricks, but um, that's what's covering my window and my door when I record just to eliminate any extra noise that gets through. I also have one hung over my AC unit. So when I'm not, when I'm recording, I cover that up so that no sound is coming through it as well. Um, and they, they work pretty well. I ordered mine from Lowe's, uh, but you can buy them on Amazon and you can get them really dense and thick so that they create that mass and that density to avoid the sound waves traveling through those kind of weak points in our structure. Yep. Um, and that's, that's another good point. My AC unit is directly outside the window, three feet from my booth. So, you know, our bipolar weather here, we had, um, we went from 55 degrees to 85 degrees yesterday. So the air went on for the first time and I've got, because it's a small window, I was able to take a regular um, noise reducing curtain and actually fold it in half and sew it together. So it's like a double curtain that I can just close over the window and just doing that makes a really big difference. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about ventilation, which the, the whole AC aspect of it made me mm. reminded me 
you definitely need to have something in your mind for how you're going to get airflow in this space. Because when we're standing in there for long periods of time, especially if you do audiobook narration, you're putting out carbon dioxide and breathing in all that oxygen and eventually you will run out. So you will need some method, I mean, some sort of ventilation um, or even just a fan. Just keep that in mind. You don't just get naked, A.B.? <laughs> no, that's, that's you. That's me. <laughs> I'm not just talking about suffocating. I know. I mean, literally not being able to breathe. I don't think being naked would help me with that, but I wouldn't know. You'd have to tell me. <laughs> You're so funny. I will, and I know people in the audience know what I'm talking about, but I do remember, <laughs> I do remember, I was, I actually, I was, Oh my gosh. I don't know. This was back when we were in San Antonio. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I had to get down to skivvies cause I was in, I had a long, long day of sessions and, and whatnot. And my daughter, I remember my daughter walked in and she was like, Oh, and she was like, mama, where are your clothes? I was like, this is my work uniform. So just, <laughs> that's what it is. So just accept it. Yeah. Um, ventilation and noise do you just turn it on during breaks and the answer to that is yes my studio bricks has a ventilation system that i paid a lot of money for that is supposed to be quiet enough that i can record yeah wrong it is not quiet enough um so i just kick it on literally with my foot when i'm not recording when i'm editing or taking a break and let it run for a little bit and then i kick it back on and record again i also open my door and fan it yeah. a little bit every now and then yeah and that's, um, that is one thing I can say about the whisper room is again, yeah, I paid for the upgrade to get the ventilation system because I'm using a 416, which is a shotgun mic and it's picking up from the front of the mic and my ventilation system is behind it. I have never, even in a source connect session that I knew was going to go long, I have never had an engineer say, what is that sound? So uh, thumbs up to whisper room on that one. All right. Well, I, my gosh, yay for us. And thank you to everyone in the chat. I'm, if you guys don't have any more questions, um, we can, we can tie this up. I'll give you just one more minute. JT, do you have anything else you want to add while we wait? Oh gosh, not that I can think of. I think we covered yeah. all of the sound things today. For this sure. has been very uh, but comprehensive. If you do have any questions? Yeah, I mean, just you know, drop us an email and we're or message on social or post it in the Facebook group, and we're happy to answer it. Or, gosh, somebody will jump in and answer it if you post it in the Facebook group for sure. Um, and since we're there, be sure to follow Via Booth Besties on LinkedIn. Connect with each of us on social media. Join the Via Booth Besties Facebook group. All of our replays are available as a podcast at boothbesties.com now on YouTube, thanks to NJ and her hard work, and anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. Please share your comments on those, like and subscribe. And um, AB, if you don't mind, I'm just going to hop in because I'm louder. <laughs> so thank you all for being here. We'll catch you Monday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, when our guest is Almeida Bainan from HarperCollins Publishing. She'll be chatting with us about audiobook narration from the producer's point of view. You won't want to miss it. Please head over to boothbesties.com or the VOBB Facebook group to submit your questions, and we will do our best to include them in our interview. 
Thank you all for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.